today, tonight. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be in Boise on a Wednesday night. Man, you guys come to have church, don't you? You can just feel it. You're not messing around. And really, if you come to church on a Wednesday night, you're not you're you're asking for it. So we're gonna we're gonna give you both barrels. I love the Boer family, and I've known them for many years. Um, I knew I knew Mark before he was married, and we didn't think he was ever gonna get married. But, but look look what happened. So, uh, but but he he was just a wonderful youth pastor, so faithful in his church, and then. Uh, and then sort of the Lord's promote him. Isn't it neat when God promotes somebody, it blesses like other people? <laughs> I'm glad God promoted him and them, and they are a blessing to you, and you bless the world. So it's a great uh, situation here. This church is like a root out of a dry ground. Have you read that scripture? It, it, it describes Jesus as a root out of a dry ground. It's like it shouldn't be here, should it? I mean, this is about. Uh, this is like a little slice of heaven right here in Boise. There's so much freedom here. There's so much life here. And one of the things that's amazing, because I've done a lot of Bible schools, but to have a church Bible school this many years, and the attendance just keeps growing. I don't know how you do that. You're fishing out of the same pond, and yet and it just grows. And, and it's, a, it's a great uh, a testimony to the hunger that you have here and the, just the spirit. And so, uh, but I love them. They're they're friends, and and we were saying last night, friends for life. Not everybody's a friend for life, and that's okay. Oh, I need to teach on broken relationships. I can see that right now. Everybody can tell you how to make friends. I'll tell you how to lose them. You want to know that? That's that's the hard part. All right, let me give some stuff away. Um, <clears throat> I've got some, a bunch of new stuff and. Some of it I'm going to teach on tonight. But this one's called, What You Hear Can Change Your Life Forever. And you know, if you think about it, it's the things you've heard that have changed you more than anything you've ever done. You heard the gospel and you will never be the same again. And there's more. The Bible says, be careful how you listen. Because the more you hear, the more you'll be given. So a lot of times we don't need to do more, we just need to hear more. I like that plan. That's not so hard, is it? You can hear more. So anyway, this this will bless you. These are CDs. Now I hate to come to a a high tech town like this and get <laughs> give away CDs. But if you still have a CD player and you would like this for free, do you have a CD player? Well, come get it. You can have it. We still we still sell about half uh, of our products uh, CDs. But I don't know if you can buy a car now with a CD player. That's the problem. They're phasing me out. This one is new. It's called Carefree Living. Saying no to worry. Doomsday phobias. You'll like that. Did you know there's so many doomsday phobias? And what's so crazy about that is they can't all happen. You know, the earth can't freeze and burn up at the same time. It, well, which one's true? Well, they want you to just believe whichever one scares you the most. <laughs> what would you rather not do, burn up or freeze? So it's just a, a gimmick. It's been going on forever, and I'm not buying into it anymore. You need to deal with doomsday phobias. Then uh, one of them's, one message is he knows, he cares, and he provides. 
Mark chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be... Y'all like this. Look at those hands going up. Would you like... What do you need, sir? Are you... I see that hand. Yes, sir. No, come get it. You can have it. The altar calls not yet. And this one I'm teaching in Bible school, they'll tell you how wonderful this subject is, but it's called Growing Toward Greatness. And... Uh, uh, become the person you were meant to be. You know, you're exactly who you're supposed to be on the inside. It's the outside we're concerned about. And that, and that, there's a process, and you grow into that process. And so we talk all about the importance of growing and being mature in Christ. Would you like this? Have you got a CD player? Do you speak English? Okay, all right. Somebody deliver this to the lady so she doesn't have to... Thank you. I'm glad. You know how embarrassing it is to try to give something away and nobody raise their hand? Well, I love this church. You guys are great. Um, the, the Growing toward greatness. Well, we have a special deal. Um, you can go out there to my table and you can get a code and get a free download. If you'd like to download that entire series, I'll give it to you for free. But you have to go to my table. You have to fill out one of these. It's called a free download card. And if you put your information here... Uh, and turn that in, they'll give you a card with a code, and you can download it onto your computer and put it on your device, and you have it. You have it from now on. If you don't know how to do that, ask your grandkids. They'll, <laughs> they'll help you with that. I love it. All my old jokes work here. Don't they? All right, now this is what we're going to talk about tonight. It's called Living with No Regrets, and I'm very excited about this subject. This will really help you. We've not had such a response to anything as we've had to this. And so we're going to get into it for a little while, and we're going to pray for people. It's going to be a great night. Are you ready? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, is Melissa Rorty here? Melissa Rorty? Is she here tonight? Uh, there's, there's three hands. You can't all be... No, I'm kidding. She's not here? Okay. Uh, where's Durette? Is Durette? There's Durette. Hey, would you stand up and let everybody give you a hand? That's Pastor Lynn Shaw in Twin Falls. That's his wife. We're so happy to have you. Would you give this to, to Durette, please? And uh, Durette and, and Lynn, Pastor in Twin Falls, you've heard stories about Twin Falls, haven't you? They're all true. I've seen it with my own eyes. It's there. And... Uh, We've spent a lot of time there together, and, and uh, some really good things have happened in Twin Falls. And there's another one. Who'd like to have this one? Would you hand that over your shoulder there? All right. Uh, let's do this. Let's stand, and I'm going to just talk as long as I can about this, uh, this topic. We're going to hit a few high points and minister to people, I believe, the Lord wants to bless people tonight. And there's Mac and Diane right on the front row. Y'all know them, right? Yeah, we go way back. They came out of Twin Falls. Everybody from Twin Falls is coming here. And everybody from California, from what I hear. I live in Oklahoma. Nobody wants to come there. Why don't y'all just come on there? Anyway, it's good to see them. And so glad they're involved here. What a blessing. Let's pray and we'll get into the word. Father, we ask you uh, for your blessing, your anointing on this word that comes forth tonight. Give me utterance that I may speak the word of God boldly and accurately 
as I ought to speak it, and give the people ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. We thank you for the miracle of ministry happening in this place tonight, that questions will be answered, needs will be met, lives will be changed by the power of God, and we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. And let me just give you a few, uh, just make a few statements about this subject. Uh, this is something that means a lot to me as I've been kind of moving in a different direction. I've, uh, in my ministry, you know, we were on the same course for 30 years and we're doing a lot of new things now. And anytime you move forward or have a, a time of transition or growth or promotion, you, you, you look back. It's just normal to look back into your past and, and just kind of look at, you know, what happened, what didn't happen, what you wish would have happened or wish hadn't happened. And it can be a time of regret. You, there can be things in your life as a Christian that you wish weren't there. And if you have those things in your life, not, and, and it doesn't, and I wasn't a sad person, I'm not a sad, depressed person, but there were areas that when I thought about them, there was just a sigh, you know, oh. And, and then maybe something else that happened, you go, oh, I wish, ah. You know, some things maybe I did or could have done better, or some things other people did, or broken relationships, or different things. And I felt like the Lord just dealt with me that He did not want me to live with regret. He wants us to be free from regret. You know, you, when you get forgiven of your sins, you're supposed to be free from guilt. And if you serve Jesus, He paid the price so that you could be free from your past. You can be totally free from your past. You can live every day like you don't have any strings attached to the past. You are not a product of your past. You're a product of God. You're not held hostage to your past. You're free to go forward and serve God. But the enemy wants to take the events of your past and build a case against you and cause you to look back with regret and you can't go forward when you're looking back. And it's time, church, to go forward. And we need to go forward with no strings attached. And if there's anything in your past that is, that is weighing you down or causing you problems or has left its mark on your life, we can take care of that tonight in Jesus' name. He can set you free from anything and everything that has happened in your life that would slow you down. And I want to run without the weights on. I want to lay aside every weight. And every sin that would, that would beset me. And I want to run with patience the race that's set before me. And regret is something that people deal with and it can slow you down. But we can apply the word of God. We can apply the power of redemption to this area of our lives and we can be free. We can be happy. We can be full of joy. and We can expect great things. We can live with with zeal again, live with expectancy again, live with a spring in our... You can get your song back. And this message is, it's not, for, it's not just for people that don't have a whole lot in their past to get over. It's for anybody, anybody and everybody. Let me make a couple of statements. No matter how much you've done right in your life, no matter what kind of perfect life you've lived, Satan wants you to regret things in your past. And if you choose to do that, nobody can stop you. You can beat yourself up for the rest of your life, and we can't stop that. But the truth can set you free. All right? No matter how much you've done wrong, 
or how bad your past has been, Jesus can set you free. I choose to go that route. Regret is a feeling of sorrow or remorse for a fault, an act, a loss, a disappointment. Sorrow and sadness and mourning and regret exist over past experiences. You're not sorry about something that hadn't happened yet. You don't regret something that you haven't experienced yet. So it's all in the past. We need to be free from our own past. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? The reason I like to do this and take a little bit of time is because this is an area that we don't often spend much time on. We talk a lot as Christians, I mean I do, about our redemption and who we are in Christ. That's all true about you and your spirit. You are what God wants you to be and, and, and you are the righteousness of God. You are um, perfect on the inside, spiritually speaking. And we also have healing services where we lay hands and believe for healing. How many of you have been in those services where we apply the power of God to people's bodies and they get healed in their bodies? But there's another area of, of man called the soul and that can be just as scarred and wounded and crippled and, and, and painful as a, as a sickness in your body. And the same power of God that saved your spirit and changed it, the same power of God that heals your body can go into your soul and set you free from sadness and sorrow, regret, from depression, from, from, from guilt and shame. The power of God can set you free instantly or Progressively, You know, some physical healings happen instantly, and some of them happen progressively. Well, the same thing is true in the soul. There are times when you get instant deliverance, relief, or whatever you want to call healing. And there are other times when you take a stand and you apply the Word day in and day out, and it displaces these things. But we need to decide as Christians we're going to be full of joy and not have regret. You can resist regret just like you resist sin and doubt and unbelief. You can have those feelings come and say, nope, you're not coming back here. There are things in your life that you've hurt over long enough. There are things in your life that you've fought over and relived long enough. You need to say, enough is enough. I'm moving forward in my life and I'm not going back there. I, there's nothing I can do. And this is one of the tactics of the enemy if you're obsessing over something that happened in your past that you can't undo that you can't go back and change that is for sure a tactic of the devil right. he would love to get you involved in thinking and beating yourself up over something that there's nothing you can do about it you can see what a helpless situation that would be and he wants to take advantage of us by doing that, we, we, we can put our foot down and say, That's, that, enough's enough. I'm not going back there. I'm going to be happy. If I don't do anything else in life, I'm going to be full of the joy of the Lord. Look at 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. It says this, For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted. So there is a godly sorrow over something that you, things that you, that happen and you need to take action and repent. But once you do that, that should be the end of regret. He said not to be regretted, didn't he? 
So there comes a point in time where you deal with it and that's it. 2 Corinthians 7.10, you say, it says you, Godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces what? Death. That's what I was talking about. The sorrow of the world, there's no solution. There's no way to fix it. There's no way to go back and change it. So it's just an endless cycle of regret and shame and regret and shame. And you relive a situation over and over again. And there's nothing you can do to change it. We need to stop falling prey to the enemy and the accuser of the brethren and say, that is enough. I'm moving on. Amen. Godly sorrow is, it, it, that leads to repentance is not to be regretted. Let me give you these scriptures because this kind of sets the stage for our altar service, for our prayer ministry. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He, he bore our griefs and He carried our sorrows. The word sorrow means pain. And it could be physical pain or mental pain. Do you know Jesus took your pain? If you, if you want to see it, the next verse says it this way. Isaiah 53, 5. He was wounded for our transgression and he was bruised for our iniquities. That means he paid a price for our sins. That's spiritual. Number two, it says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. The peace of God keeps your mind, your heart and mind. So the peace of God is for your Mine. He paid a price so that you could have peace in your soul. Sadness is not peace. Regret is not peace. Sorrow is not peace. Shame is not peace. The chastisement, if you can believe that Jesus suffered so that you could be forgiven of your sins, you need to believe that he suffered so that you can be free from regret. It's the same work of redemption, only it's applied to the soul. And then the third part of the verse says, By his stripes we were healed. That's physical healing. He paid the price for the full person, spirit, soul, body. And you can enjoy the benefits of redemption for whatever part you want to apply it to. If all you want to do is get saved, he will save you and that's all he'll do. You don't have to go any further. But I know if you're part of this church and you come on a Wednesday night, you want more. You, you wouldn't be here if you don't want more. You want all that God has for you. I don't want to stop just by getting born again and waiting until Jesus comes. I want to apply redemption to my soul and I want to apply it to my body. I want to enjoy the fullness of what Jesus did for me in this life. And it works the same way. You can apply these things to your soul and just receive instantly the power of God in this area. So spirit, soul, body. Now go to um, Revelation 21.4. And it says, it says this uh, about a time we're going to have in heaven. In Revelation 21, you, we have the new heavens and the new earth. The devil was cast into the lake of fire. God comes down to dwell with us in physical bodily presence and we forever live together with, with God and the presence of God. And one of the things that's going to happen, this will be eternity in the future, one of the things that's going to happen is Revelation 21.4, God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Isn't that a powerful thought? God is going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. The reason... Uh, tears represent regrets. 
Now, you know, surely, theoretically, we know that we're not going to spend eternity in heaven kicking ourselves over things that happened here. You know that's not going to happen, right? You're not going to sit in heaven and, and, all, and, and spend your all of eternity going, I wish I hadn't done this, and I wish I hadn't done that, and I wish that hadn't happened. You're going to get over this. You know why you can get over this? Because Jesus paid a price so you could get over it. The reason God can come in, in that day and wipe away our tears of regret is because of what Jesus did and what Jesus purchased. Well, Jesus already purchased it. He's already paid that price. So my, my position is, not only do we not have to regret the things that have happened in this life when we get to heaven, we don't have to regret them now. Jesus already paid that price. And I decided to just be happy and, uh, and just not let anything in my past affect me. Because if you're sensitive and you care, you, you know, there are things that you just, you know, I wish that hadn't happened. Okay, well, yeah, let's just get over it. I think sometimes we just need to have somebody tell us, you don't have to hurt over that anymore. You don't have to relive that anymore. You don't have to try to pay for that anymore. We all make mistakes. That's why we needed a Savior. We all need the application of redemption to our past. Some of us need it in this area and some in the other. But we all need it. So let's just take it. You may be like me. I got saved at seven. And so, um, you know, I quit smoking at six. <laughs> I did. I, I found a cigarette in the driveway. I was six years old, and I thought it, my uncle smoked, and I thought it looked cool, so I lit it up. And I thought I was going to die at six years old. I, I, it was not near as fun as it looked. And I said, Lord, if you'll let me live, I'll never smoke a cigarette again. And so I got free from cigarettes, and then I got saved. <laughs> Some addictions last longer than others, I guess. So I got saved when I was seven. And that's a great testimony, and I love God, and I've lived for God, but, but on the other hand, what that means is every major mistake I've made in my life, I made as a Christian. <laughs> you know, and there are times when you don't really have redemption working in your mind as much, and you hear somebody say, I lived for the devil for 20 years, and then I gave my life to God, and you, you go, man, I wish I'd have done that. <laughs> you know, there's not this clean break for me. It all kind of blends together. But you know that's what sin is. It's th things that you know are wrong and things that you know you shouldn't do and things that you know you sh boundaries you shouldn't cross and you cross them. And that's sin. Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, forgiveness works for all of us. And if you're forgiven, then you're free from guilt. If you're forgiven, you don't have to go back and regret it. If you're forgiven, you can let it go and you can be happy as if you never did it again. Never did it before. You can just live your life as if you'd never made a mistake. <laughs> but you have to apply the truth uh, to, because things will work on your, on your mind. And so anything in your life that leaves its mark on your soul can be removed through the redemption in Jesus Christ. Isn't that a great thought? No matter where you've been, 
No matter what you've been through, no matter what you've done or what's been done to you, anything that life has, any, any, any experience that has left a scar or a wound in your soul, Jesus can heal that and set you free and replace it with happiness. It says there's so many of these happiness scriptures. I don't want to go through all of them, but it, he he can turn our mourning into joy. That's powerful. He can. That's exactly what we're talking about, isn't it? He can take a, 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 an experience that that has wounded your soul, and he can turn it into joy or dancing. He'll turn your mourning into dancing. Only God can do that. Only God can do that for a person, but he can and he will if you'll let him. You know, you had to let him save you, didn't you? You didn't get saved just because you were neutral and you thought, well, whatever, God wants. You had to possess that. You had to take it. You had to receive it. And the same is true with these things. You can go around sad and depressed your whole life, or you can say, I'm going to apply the truth to this area of my life and I'm going to get free. You know, your family would, would love it if you'd get happy. Some Christians, the greatest testimony that they could give those around them is just to get happy. Say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't know what you've done, but I know what he did. And I guarantee what he did is more powerful than what you did. And what he did can remove what you did. That's the whole point of redemption is that Jesus can undo, he can heal, he can deliver. There's nobody he can't save. There's nobody he can't heal. There's nobody that he can't deliver from their own past. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? You say, well, I don't know what I have to be happy about. I mean, one of the things you need to do is probably is turn the TV off. Unless you're watching Christian programming, just turn, because there's so much strife going on that if you get too involved in that, you, you won't be happy. You'll, you'll be... The problem that, that, that I see is that even if people are saying the, uh, taking your position, they're still mad. Everybody seems to be mad. Everybody's mad. And we're not supposed to be mad. We have good tidings of great joy to all people. We ought to be the happiest people on earth. We would be a great testimony to the world today if we'd get happy in the midst of all this chaos and refuse to get angry and bitter and hate half the population. The world's so polarized right now that the church needs to stand in the gap and say, you know what, I love everybody. I have a message for all people, and it's good news. It's good tidings of great joy, and that has not changed. Jesus is not mad at the world, and neither should we be. See, well, what do I have to be happy about? Nothing's going right for me. Well, I'll, let me just give you a few things. Number one, God's on the throne. That's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, God is on the throne. Number two, Jesus is Lord. Number three, the Bible's true. And number four, you're going to heaven. You know, nothing that happens in this world is going to change those facts for you. We ought to be free from circumstances and be happy. And I know you, we care for the world and we care for our country and all that, but, but let's be careful not to be angry all the time. Along with re, re, regret, 
and shame and sadness and sorrow. Let's just throw anger in there too. And let's not allow that to dominate our thoughts because God has a better life for you. In the 23rd Psalm, you know that Psalm, the Shepherd Psalm, it says, I believe it's verse 4, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. There's no psychiatrist that can restore your soul. There's no surgeon that can restore your soul. Only Jesus can restore your soul. But he can do it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. It's worth getting into the word for. Amen? Amen. He restores our soul. I wanted to share two two things with you in the in light of this. One is in Luke 15. Would you go there? And I want to show you God's um, view of restoration. And there are others that we could look at. We could spend the whole evening on just one area, but I want to hit a couple of things. But in Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, it tells the the story of the parable. The, I mean, of the of the prodigal son. It says in verse 11, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Now, this story is unique in that this father represents God, or God represents this father, and that God does not think like we do. First of all, you try this. Go to your dad and say, Dad, I'm, I know I'm not out of high school yet, but I really feel like I'm ready, and I would like for you to just go ahead and give me your inheritance. I don't, really don't want to wait for you to die. Just give me my inheritance now so I can go enjoy it. And the father said, okay. You know, God the Father is not going to keep you in, on the straight and narrow. He's not going to keep you in church. He's not going to keep you in his house. He's not going to rob you of your free will. He's going to, if you want to take all of his blessings, and many Christians have done it, if you want to take all of his blessings and leave and not come back to church and not spend any time in prayer, he'll, he'll let you do that. But he, he won't agree with it, but he won't stop you. And there are Christians that, 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 you know, they want to leave Father's house because they don't want Father's influence. They just want Father's money. They want Father's blessings, but they don't want Father's involvement. And that's kind of the case here. And so the Father agreed. He gave him his inheritance, and off he went. And, and uh, it, was not a good, it was not a good outcome. In verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. And when he had spent all, and there rose a severe famine in the land, he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, so he's in a pig pen, and, and he's broke. He wasted. I mean, you could see it coming, couldn't you? You know the father could see it coming. It was, it was inevitable. It's just how long is this going to last, and it didn't last long. And so he came to himself, and he said, I'm going to go back. And he didn't even think he could get restored totally. He thought, my father's servants have it better than this. 
I'm going to go back and see if I can just get a job because times are tough and, and I don't have any skills and nobody really knows me, nobody wants me. So I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to apologize. I'm going to tell him how guilty I am and maybe he'll give me a job. So that's his plan. He had a speech prepared that he's going to give the father. So he, he gets ready and he goes back, to, to, back home. And, the, and, and, and it says here, in, uh, here's his speech. He said, I'm going to rise and go to my father. This is verse 18. And I'm going to say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, we're talking about getting over the past, getting over regret. This guy made some real serious mistakes. And he felt really bad about it. He came to himself. And when you come to yourself, you go, man, I can't believe I did that. But I did it. And there's records. I mean, I've got a record. It's, it's documented. And so he, he feels so bad about what he's done that he's going to express that to his father. Because he didn't understand restoration from the father's perspective. So he... He, he went back, verse 20, he arose and he came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The father received him instantly. And the son had this speech prepared, and so he starts it out. I feel really bad. I've done some really bad things, and I am so sorry, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son, and I am, I am just so guilt-ridden, and there's nothing I can do to repay you, and I've lost everything, and there's no way to get it back, and I don't have anything to show for it. I didn't invest it. I didn't use it for school. I don't know how to do anything. I am completely uh, bankrupt. And he's going along, and the father, it's like they're on two different wavelengths. The father's going, kill the fatted calf. Get the musicians ready. We're going to have a party. He's putting a robe on him and a ring on his finger. And the, and the, and the son's going, and I did this, and I did that, and I, and I did this, and there's no way to get that back. And if I were you, I wouldn't go to this certain town. They will not like you there. And, and then this happened, and then that happened. And the father's going, and, and make sure you barbecue that, and let's get it started now because we're going to have this party, and it's going to be wonderful. And, and the son's going, and I, and I can't believe I did this. And In fact, I'll just sit down here, and I'll recount the whole thing. I'll tell you every detail of everything I've done wrong, and I'll, and I'll tell you how sorry I And the father didn't want to hear any of that. The father was not interested in the past. The son was the one that was obsessed with the past. The father was totally focused on the present and the future. In fact, you know, the, the, the older son said, what are you doing? He says, what do you mean, what am I doing? He was dead. And now, everybody say now. now. See, I don't care where you've been. I don't care what you did. I don't care what your record is. I don't care how bad you feel about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to relive it. I don't want you to relive it. I want to start right now and go forward and do something. We could spend the rest of our life reliving his past. It was horrible. It was terrible. It was worse than he could say. And then if he got it all said, he could think of something else. Oh, yeah, I forgot. And I did this. Can you believe I did this? It was horrible. I could just kick myself. It looks like you are. The father had no interest whatsoever. You'd think, I mean, if you'd 
had done all that, the father would say, boy, sit down. We're going to have a talk. But that's not our father. He said, we're going to have a party. We're going to have a celebration. And the past has no bearing on our relationship. Nothing has changed here at home. Everything's, I don't care what you've been through. Here at home, it's all the same as it was when you left. You're the son. I'm the father. I got plans. We got a business. We got a future. We got a destiny. And if you'll let me, I'll take you into the future. But if you refuse, you can be damaged goods for the rest of your life. Why do that to yourself? You know how many Christians are ruining the, the party? <laughs> They're ruining their own party. God's trying to have a party, and all they can do is say, and I did that, and I did this, and I wish I hadn't done that, and I feel so bad. I feel so bad. Can I just say, get over it. Let it go. The Father's not interested. I, I wanted to do something else, but let me talk about this for a minute. When, when Jesus met with the disciples on the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection... Remember, they were fishing, and he fixed, and Jesus cooked the fish and the bread on the on the shore. And they saw him, and they they all came in, and and there they were. And if you read, it's in John twenty one, and and Jesus, um, he he was dealing with Peter's restoration, and he says, Peter, you know, every commentary that I've read on the subject says that Jesus was dealing with Peter's restoration when he had this encounter on the on the beach there. And what he said was he asked him a question. Now, what did Peter do? Well, he denied Jesus three times after Jesus told him he would do it. I mean, that's really bad. I gave you a heads up, you know. <laughs> Peter was saying, I'll die for you. No, you won't. You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And, and he did. And he wept bitterly. It broke his heart. Did you read it? Did it break your heart too? It's like, oh, ooh, Peter, just run home. <laughs> you know, get under the bed until morning. Don't, don't. And he did it three times, just like Jesus said. And when they met on the beach, if, you, if that's restoration, then we need to change our understanding of what the word means. Jesus, here's the way we would see restoration. Sit down, Peter. I'm going to ask you a few questions. Have you learned anything from this experience? Do you promise me you will not do... How could I ever trust you? You're on probation. You're in timeout. Until further notice. You're grounded. I'm taking the keys. He asked him three questions. And those were not included. Peter would have gladly relived it. He was probably reliving it at the moment, over and over in his head. Why did I do it? How could I do it? It was just a servant girl. Why didn't I have more boldness? How could I let the Lord down at the moment of his greatest need? And I'm sure it just ate him up. And Jesus said, let's talk about restoration, Peter. I have a question for you. Do you want to beat me? Do you want to ground me? Do you want to punish me? Have I lost my place? In the apostleship, what do you need? What, what can I do? Do you love me? Like, yes. Then feed my sheep. Is that not powerful? 
He's saying, Peter, don't go back. I don't want you to go to the past. I want you to stay right here with me, and I want to know one thing. Not are you sorry, not did you learn anything, not do you promise not to do it again, because that's all past. I want to know if you love me, because if you love me, we can do this. If you love me, we can fulfill your ministry. If you love me, I love you. Nothing's changed up here. Has it changed down there? Do you still love me? Yes! That's all I ask. Now let's go forward. Let's not go back. The question tonight is not do you feel bad about it, or did you learn anything, or you promise not to do it again. The question is, do you love him? Do you love him? Boy, that would solve a lot of problems, wouldn't it? If you could say yes to that question, you're ready for your future. You just thought you had to get over a lot of things. You don't. You just need to love the Lord and look forward. He took care of your past. He's not concerned about it. He didn't want to go relive it. Not any of it. Isn't that amazing? Don't you love Jesus? He loves you so much. But he won't think for you. You've got you to gotta provide the love and look ahead. If you'll do that, you have an amazing future. Could I just say this? God still wants to do with you what he originally wanted to do with you. You're not relegated to the bench or the B team or the C team. You're still, plan A is still in effect. Just bring your love to the table and say, Lord, I love you. And he'll take care of the other. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Woo! I know, let that sink in. You might, if, if these are new thoughts, you might need to get my book. It's, it's back there. Uh, I didn't just have two. <laughs> and so if you'd like to do that, uh, all of these points are in there, plus the scriptures that you can use to begin to feed on to get over these things. If you'll apply the scriptures, they work like medicine, and they will heal and, and displace pain in different areas of your life. But I want to talk about this tonight a, a little bit before we pray, because I, I, I don't know, I don't hear a lot of teaching on this, but I want to talk about the loss of loved ones. That is one of the most painful experiences that you'll have. And this is just an example. When you lose a loved one, when they pass on, it, it hurts. It wounds you. And, uh, and that's what we're talking about is these wounds. And they can be from various things. But if you live long enough here on earth, you, you're going to lose somebody that's close to you. And it's going to hurt. And I, I want to tell you, Jesus wants you to get over that pain. He wants you to be free from that hurt and that grief. Can, can you understand? He doesn't want you to dishonor the person or forget them, but he doesn't want you to be crippled for the rest of your life because somebody you love has passed on to heaven. Can you say amen? And, and I think this is a very important... I was riding with my grandfather. He, was, he lived up into his 90s, and I was in his small town, and we were in my car, and we were driving, and, and uh, you don't have to drive very far in that town to pass everything, and so... You know, there's a hospital and a, and a funeral home and a cemetery. So you got everybody's covered. And so uh, anyway, we, uh, we were driving by the cemetery for no particular reason. And he, and he, uh, he was sitting in my, I'm in my 30s and he's sitting there in the car and he goes, I got more friends in the cemetery than I do in town. And I thought, boy, that's morbid. Uh, thank you, Peppa. Uh, 
But it was true. He had outlived almost everybody he knew. And uh, if you live long enough in this world, you're going to lose people, and it's going to hurt you, and it can be debilitating. And I just want you to know, Jesus wants to heal that. He wants to bless the brokenhearted, heal the brokenhearted, take the grief and the pain out of your life so that you can be happy again. Isn't that a great thought? Let me give you a few points, and then we're going we're gonna to invite people and we're gonna, I want to pray for you. But number one, remember this when you lose a loved one. Death was not part of God's original plan. It's not His fault. He, didn't, he never intended for us to be separated from our loved ones. That was not His doing. That was Adam's doing. You see, if, if you blame this on God, you'll have a hard time getting over it. Because he's the healer. Death was not his plan. He told Adam, do not eat of that fruit or you will die. And Adam disobeyed God. God didn't do anything to make that happen. He never wanted you to experience the pain of separation that occurs when you lose a loved one. Isn't that a powerful thought? No matter who it is, no matter how bad it hurts, you need to know one thing. God didn't do this. God was not behind this. God never wanted me to be standing here experiencing this. He's the answer, not the problem. Number two, when you lose a loved one, especially if they're, you know, believing for healing, and we do believe. How many of you believe in healing and the healing power of God? And sometimes... You, you have a situation where you lose someone and they didn't get healed and they go to heaven and it hurts and you don't know why. And you can, you can just um, make yourself a nervous wreck by asking why, 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 why did this happen? Can I just tell you there are times when you're not going to know why? And really you need to come to a point where you say, I'm just not going to ask why anymore. I'm going to let God handle that. You know, faith is something we do. Why can't we exercise faith in these areas that we don't understand and give God the benefit of the doubt and let Him explain it when we get to heaven? Can we just fill in that blank with faith right now and say, Lord, I don't understand this, but I know You're a good God and I know the Word is true and I know You can explain it to me one day, but until then, I'm going to trust You and believe that You are a good God the way the Word says how many of you know that's a much better way to do it than to get angry at Him and to demand to know why? Did you know that if you knew why, it wouldn't heal your hurt anyway? Knowing why does not heal a broken heart. The Spirit of the Lord that's on us can heal a broken heart. Not knowing why. There's a lot of things that we can't explain in this life. My uh, wife was uh, uh, married with three children, happily married uh, before I ever knew her. And, and they were on a vacation, and she was driving their van back to their hometown, or the town they lived in, and uh, she, she went to sleep at the wheel. And the van lost control, threw her husband and her middle daughter out on the interstate, and they were on life support. She had to give the command to unplug life support, and she watched them die. She was a mother left with two children, and she said there was... Texas uh, state trooper records that thick that all of them said it was her fault. So the guilt 
and the grief almost destroyed her life. She nearly lost her mind. But Jesus healed her. Jesus healed her broken heart. And one of the things that she says, and her testimony, in fact, is in the book. We finally got it out somewhere because it's it helps people because a lot of people are hurting and the reason they hold on to their hurts is they don't think anybody else understands. And maybe they don't. But when she gives her testimony, it's usually the worst one in the room. And people go, wow, if God did that for her, then he can do it for me. And that's all the Lord needs, just that little opening. And he can go in and begin the healing process. But she makes this statement, because they were Christians. They were children's church pastors. They loved God. And she said, I could not begin the healing process until I quit asking why. Isn't that interesting? And, and, and uh, when I met her, I found out about it, and, and I wanted to know why myself. I thought, why? Why? And there's, no, there's just some things that won't be answered on this side of heaven. And we just have to say, I'm just going to leave that with you and let you explain it later. Can't we have that much trust in God that He can work that out later? And when He does, when we get to heaven and He sits us down and He says, now here's why, we'll go, oh, well, you are a good God and your word is true. Your word is true. Well, if we know that's going to happen, then we might as well just act like it now. God is not the problem. He just doesn't answer every single question in life. Hallelujah. All right? Number three, if you have a loved one that's passed away, one of the things that you read in every testimony you hear about somebody who's gone to heaven, the one consistency is if if they went to heaven and they wrote a book, obviously they came back, right? So they're not still there. They all say the same thing. I didn't want to come back. Okay, so they died. They're in heaven. We're all down here. Wishing they hadn't died, and they're telling the Lord, I don't want to go back. And he says, you got to go back. I don't want to go back. Yeah, well, we want you to come. I don't want to go back. I want to stay here. For all of our loved ones that went and didn't come back, guess what? They don't want to come back. That ought to help you. Why am I going to be brokenhearted and hurting for the rest of my life over something that made my loved one so happy and so complete that they don't ever want to go anywhere else for eternity? And the last thing they want is for you down here living the rest of your life in sadness over that. How many of you believe we can let that go? Number four... We can honor their life because some people think when I teach this, they think, well, you just want me to forget them. No, we, we can honor their life by celebrating our reunion. Quit, quit hurting over the loss and focus on the future. We're going to be back together again, and that's what makes heaven so special, is that not only is God there, but our loved ones are there. That's something to rejoice over, not to be sad about. Is this helping anybody? All right. Then, and you say, well, <laughs> you know, this, is a, this always comes up, but you might say, well, I don't, that's the problem, brother. I don't know where they went. 
Well, let me just reiterate that. That is exactly right. You don't know where they went. You may think you know where they went, but let me tell you something. There's a lot of things that happen on a deathbed when somebody's hovering between life and death. And I promise you there are people that make peace with God before they leave their body, and they're in heaven right now. I believe the most oft-asked question in heaven is going to be this. What are you doing here? <laughs> How did you get here? Thought for sure. Because listen, God is not trying to send people to hell. He is offering mercy right up to the last moment. And, and, and I did this on purpose. I went back and read Kenneth Hagin's testimony when he, when he died and left his body. If you're not familiar with that, it's in this book, I Believe in Visions. But he died three times and went to hell. The third time he went to hell and came back, he got saved in the middle of that transportation from hell back to his body. He cried out to Jesus and got saved and went back into his body saved. Well, as far as they could tell, he was dead. But he was making peace with God. And, and, and if he had bypassed his body, he'd have gone straight to heaven. And they would have just thought he died. Well, there's a lot of ha that happened behind the scenes. And God was able to get him saved before it was too late. And I believe that's happened to many, many, many people. Especially people that wit you witness to. And they put up this hard front. And they rejected it constantly all their life. Boy, those people are, they know the truth. And, and when the situation is right, hallelujah. Isn't that a great thought? And then finally, and this is how we're going to conclude, allow the healer to heal your broken heart. Don't close yourself in and say, I'm just going to hurt for the rest of my life. But open yourself to the healer and say, Jesus, heal me. Only you can. And I'll tell you, my wife, she gave her life, her, her time to the Lord. She got in Bible school. She would go to every altar call. She got prayed for every week. And in four years' time, she was changed completely by the power of God. Four years before, she's standing on the interstate thinking, my life will never be the same again. And four years later, she was walking down an aisle in a church, getting married to me. And God put her back in the ministry and put her family back together. And the, the one thing that God does when he does a restoration project, you know, you ought to see God flip a house. <laughs> you know, you should see God when he gets a hold of something. When he's done with it, it's better. It's better than it was before. And my wife will be the first to tell you, I'm not the same person I was then. I'm better. She's the happiest person I know. She's happier than me. And I hadn't had anything like that happen in my life. But she, she, was, she allowed the healer to heal her broken heart. This is applying the power of God to the soul. It works. Hallelujah. So regret can be there for any number of reasons. But the answer is the same for all of them. Let the power of God heal you and then begin to apply the word of God like medicine. And if you, as you do that, it begins to heal and you, you develop a resistance to that. You, you know, if somebody tried to break in your house and you were home and they said, I'm coming in robbing you, 
You'd say, over my dead body? You're not walking in here with me here? You picked the wrong house. How many of you would resist that? But we let the enemy come and walk right into our soul with sadness and depression and sorrow and shame and let him just set up camp and we don't even resist it. When you begin to feed on those scriptures and begin to feed on the word, you develop this resistance that when those things come back, because they will, guilt and shame and hurt will come back. And when they do, you go, no, you're not coming in. I know too much. You can just go back where you came from. I'm, I've hurt the last time over this. I have regretted this for the last moment. I've relived that for the last time. I'm not going to be sad about this anymore. And you'll, it'll change your life. You believe that? Jesus can do that for anybody. Would you stand with me? And you know, there's only so much you can cover in a, in a service, but um, you got the gist of it. Let's apply redemption to our soul. As I said, I, I wasn't a depressed person or a sad person, but, but the Lord dealt with me because there were things in my past that, 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 that there was sadness attached to it. And he wanted me free. I got things to do. I can't be held back. I got, I've got a future. I've got to feed the sheep. I've got to do things for God. You have a future. And God wants you to live it with no strings attached to your past. Hallelujah. Would you bow your heads with me? If you're here tonight and you say, you know what? I have. I've got some regrets in my life. And I don't want to know why they're there. I mean... I gave you those two examples of restoration and in both cases they didn't ask why are you feeling so sorry why are you feeling so guilty why are you so down on yourself they, they didn't even go into that so we don't care why you're hurting where the wound came from we just want to apply the healing power of God to your soul and turn your mourning into joy turn your sadness into gladness Turn your shame into an understanding, a, a, a conviction of righteousness in Jesus' name.